This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Zephyr CMS. It's a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. You can find them at zephyrcms.com. More about this later in the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is David Meerman Scott. He is an online marketing strategist and author of a number of books on marketing, including the classic The New Rules of Marketing and PR. One of my favorites, Marketing the Moon. Um, There are countless other books. He's going to share with us how many there are. And we're going to talk about his new book, Fanocracy, Turning Fans into Customers and Customers into Fans. Depending upon when you're listening to this, it'll be out in January of 2020. So, David, welcome back. Thank you, John. It's always, always, always great to speak with you. I, I lost track, but this is probably at least your third or fourth appearance on the show. I think so. I think it's the third. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the third. You you did a fun thing with this book. You have a co-author. I do. My 26-year-old daughter, Reiko, is my co-author. And um, it, it's been fabulous because it's a book about fandom. And I was talking to Reiko um, starting five years ago just geeking out about the things that we love. And I'm like, you know, I've been to set Reiko. I've been to 790 live music shows, including 75 grateful dead concerts. What's up with that? And she goes, I know daddy, I've, 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 I've not only read every, every Harry Potter book and seen every Harry Potter movie. I've gone to the wizarding world of Harry Potter theme park in Orlando twice. And I've been to London to the studio tour. And I wrote a 90,000 word alternative ending to the Harry Potter series where Draco Malfoy is a spy for the order of the Phoenix, put it on a fan fiction site. It's been downloaded thousands of times, commented on hundreds of times. I'm a Harry Potter geek. You're a live music, grateful dead geek. What's what's up with that? And that's what, that was the catalyst of us to dig into the idea of how and why people become fans and how companies can tap fandom. Well, and, and, and you, well, maybe, maybe let me back up a little bit. Um, how would you define the term fanocracy? So fanocracy is a, is a term we made up and it's essentially look, you know, playing off the words, uh, other ocracy out there. So for example, democracy is ruled by the many. Meritocracy is ruled by the most worthy. Um, and a fanocracy is an environment where the fans rule. It's, um, it's, an, it's, it's a way that people come around a tribe, take ownership of that tribe, and then that becomes a force for helping organizations succeed. Yeah, and plus the URL was available, right? Um, yes, the URL, and and and, and uh, you know, you you and I have spoken on the podcast before about the concept of newsjacking, something I invented, and um, newsjacking. I also owned the URL, and I did something that a lot of people think is nuts, which is I don't try to assert copyright control over it. Uh, I don't try to assert that I own it. Um, yes, I own the URL. Yes, I'm the first person to talk about the concept, but I want I want it to become, to use the word, a fanocracy. I want people to say, wow, this is a cool concept, you know, um, this idea of of a fanocracy or in the case of newsjacking, this idea of newsjacking and in newsjacking, it worked because it's in the Oxford English dictionary now. And my, my name is attached to it. 
Um, so you can imagine imagine creating something so popular that it's in the it's in the dictionary. Well, and uh, and, and we're going to get into this, but uh, that's one of the principles of fanocracy, isn't it? Uh, to it is. uh, to give it away or it is give it away for free. Exactly right. Give it away because if you give more to the universe, you'll get more back. And if you give to your fans, your fans will give back. So this. While this may have started, the actual idea for this uh, book started maybe with this conversation you described with your daughter. I mean, you yes. kind of have a long history with fanocracy yourself. I mean, you and uh, Brian Halligan wrote a book called Marketing Lessons from the Grateful Dead. And that, that probably, uh, would you say that they are the quintessential you know, model of building fanocracy? Um, they built a social network before Mark Zuckerberg was even born. Um, yeah, they've created an incredible tribe. But but people have been putting, you know, groups of people together well before the Grateful Dead. Um, the Grateful Dead is the one I'm most uh, 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 I'm, I'm most interested in because, you know, I started going to Grateful Dead concerts when I was 17. And I've been now to 75 Grateful Dead concerts or the bands that followed the Grateful Dead with members, original members of the Grateful Dead, because Jerry Garcia died in 1995. And and you're right, Brian Halligan and I, we actually met each other because of the Grateful Dead. I, I was invited to a um, to HubSpot. Brian is the CEO of HubSpot to their office. Um, back in 2007, they had just started the company. They only had eight employees and no customers yet. And Brian uh, said, please come you know you wrote this book we're interested in it we have a company and we're doing similar stuff we should chat and i opened up my macbook pro computer and i had a grateful dead sticker on it and within the first minute we knew we were part of the same tribe we we, we knew we were both fans of the grateful dead and that's what this idea of fandom or as i call it a fanocracy is is you know you are part of a group of like-minded people and so brian and i became fast friends we've uh, he invited me at, within a couple of days to join the, to be the first member of the HubSpot advisory board. And I've been with them ever since. And uh, we've probably gone to 30 or 40 Grateful Dead shows since then <laughs> together. Well, I am nowhere near the Grateful Dead fan that you are, but I, I, I still I still think Working Man Dead, Working Man's Dead is my. Uh... It's a it's an amazing album, amazing album. But that's just one thing. People are fans of everyone's. Typically, almost everyone is a fan of something, whether, you know, it's, it's, it's your local sports team or you love to participate in triathlons or you like classic cars or you're into bird watching or whatever it is. We're, we're, we're all fans of something. And no matter what business you're in, you can use um, the techniques of developing fandom to grow a business. And um, that's what I think is so cool is that it's as we dug into it, it's not just for rock stars. It's not just for athletes. It's for any organization. And um, one of my favorite examples to prove that is um, we talk about an insurance company called Haggerty Insurance. And everyone hates to buy auto insurance. There's not a single person on the planet that likes to buy auto insurance. Furthermore, people hate to use the product because it meant you crashed your car. And and Mikhail Haggerty founded Haggerty Insurance a number of years ago. And I spoke with him. He says, David, everyone hates my product category, so I can't market like everyone else does. I had to figure out how I could tap into fandom. And they actually um, insure classic cars. And so he and his team go to over 100 classic car events a year. 
Um, and they they meet with people who are classic car fans and they become part of the tribe that way. They have a YouTube channel where they provide valuable information. They have a Haggerty Drivers Club that people are members of. They get all sorts of great benefits. And they are their, the largest now classic car insurance company in the world. Double digit compound growth every single year. They're going to grow by 200,000 customers this year. Um, fabulously successful on all levels in a category everybody hates auto insurance well i think i think that's a great example too of the fact that it's really not about the product or or the service it's about the experience it's about the brand it's about you know what people get to feel and think about the brand and that that often isn't about the product. You, you talk about a category where people hate the product, hope they never have to use it. I mean, that's an, almost an extreme example. Right. But I think that that's, isn't that true across the board? That generally the companies it that is. do this, it's not about the thing they sell. It's it's about how people feel about doing business with them. It, it, exactly right. And when we really dug in to boil down 70,000 words in the book and five years of research, um, building fans is simply about creating a true human connection. And, um, you know, you, you and I, John, have been talking about social media since the very beginning. And I, that's how we met, actually, is, you know, we were among the first people on the planet to s articulate this idea of how you can use social media to market a business. And I'm not sure about you, but I'm now feeling like the pendulum has swung too far into the direction of superficial online communications. You know, we've got a polarized political world online uh, where the, the social networks, Facebook and the others, um, optimize for polarization because they want to put you into a tribe. Uh, uh, you've got people doubling down and sending you know, if you get on an email list, they send multiple, so many emails that it drives you crazy and you opt out. Um, someone will connect with you on LinkedIn, immediately try to sell you something. And you don't even know sometimes if, if you're communicating with someone, if it's a robot or not. So I think that when we, you and I started talking about social networking and marketing, it was like, wow, this is awesome. We can communicate with our friends. And, and it really was awesome at that point. But it's become a dark and cold world for many of us. So I think the pendulum is now swinging back in the direction of true human connection. And it's a lot about what your new book is about, too, is, is really getting back to humanity and, and, and what's important to life. And, um, and, and social media is not going away. It's still valuable. But it's not really what we thought it might have been 10 years ago. Yeah, I remember when I uh, f you know, was first on Twitter. Uh, I hate to sound like an old fart here with this stuff. But, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I'd be going to a new city and I'd put on Twitter, hey, anybody know any good restaurants? I'd get like 10 great recommendations, you know. Right. And, and now I could put that same thing. I've got 10 times the followers and I could put that same thing on there and, uh, and not get, you know, a single response. Because you know, just as you said, I mean, we've... Uh, we've, you know, we've gotten to the point where, you know, people, true, true connections are, are, are going on in very small places again. And, and, you know, probably to me, the most useful social media place right now are a couple of Facebook groups I belong to because they right. are, you know, people that are very engaged and nobody's selling anything. And, and, and it's all about, you know, helping each other. And I think that's. And and frequently those, because I'm in a couple of those too, and frequently they're closed groups. Very much so. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, and I, I remember, 
I remember doing, remember tweet ups, remember that, that concept. Um, and, and I, re, I remember, you know, this is, again, I, I don't want to be the old fart either, but 10 or 11 years ago, I would, ro- I would roll into a city, you know, and I, I remember doing this in, in Bombay, India. And, and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to be at this hotel bar. If anyone wants to come and chat and, and like 30 people show up, um, I wouldn't do that now. Um, you know, first of all, I don't know if anyone would show up. And second of all, I don't, you know, people would show up and try to sell something or try to infiltrate the group. And, you know, I, maybe, I don't know, maybe we're old farts, but <laughs> yeah, let's just keep, let's just bitch for another 20 minutes. Uh-huh. shall we? All right. But at the same time, people do want a, a, to have a human connection like what Haggerty did build, um, you know, be a part of a tribe, be a part of like-minded people speak the lingo, um, you know, make a fast friend because you share this, same love and 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 i think that the opportunity in that is that people are hungry for it so people who get that who take the time and the intention you know to nurture that i think are going to benefit in fact let's jump to part two in the book where you really get into the nuts and bolts of how to do this you know today content is everything so our websites are really content management systems but they've got to work like one check out zephyr It is a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. It's really easy to use. It's very fast. It won't mess with your SEO. I mean, it really reduces the time and effort to to launch uh, your clients' websites. Beautiful themes, just really fast, profitable way to go. They include an agency services to really kind of make them your plug-and-play dev shop. Check out Zephyr.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R. CMS.com. So, I, I mean, I could read the list, but if you want to jump in, you know, like the first one, get closer. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. it's just what we've been talking about. So, so maybe kind of, uh, kind of unpack the five or six tenets of this idea of, you know, how you actually do this. Okay. I, I, I'd like to dig in deep on one or two and then talk real brief, briefly on a couple of them. Um, so get closer than usual is fascinating. Um, we interviewed, uh, we, my daughter, Reiko and I, my co-author, Reiko did a neuroscience degree at Columbia university. She's now in her final, um, year of medical school applying now for residency programs in emergency medicine. And we interviewed a bunch of neuroscientists about what goes on in our brains when we become fans of something. And essentially it's about, um, human connections about proximity. And it turns out that our brains are hardwired to have the most emotional connection with people the closer we are physically to them. And this is a, a survival technique because the people that we know and trust, when we're in close physical proximity to them, our brain lights up in a very positive way. Um, but if we're in close physical proximity with somebody who we believe might do us harm, our fight or flight me- um, mechanism kicks kicks in. And so that's hardwired in our DNA. We can't help it. And so one neuroscientist named Edward T. Hall identified the four levels of proximity, the furthest one being further than about 20 feet. And we humans don't really pay that much attention to people that were that far away. Once you get within 20 feet, we begin to track those people. That's called um, the the furthest away is called public space. Then social space is is within about 20 feet. We begin to track people who get that close to us within 20 feet because we want to know, are they people we can trust? That's why when you go into a 
a, a room that's filled with people, you immediately begin scanning that room to find out if there's people you know or if there's danger. Then further in is within four feet, that's called personal space. And that's um, when um, sort of cocktail party distance. And if you know somebody, you're part of the same tribe or they're your friend or they're your family member, that's where the most positive human connections happen. That's also why when you go into a crowded elevator, you feel nervous because you're, you're with people you don't know. And that's hardwired into us. Um, so what we can do as business people is figure out how can we create ways to have physical connections, close proximity, getting into the personal space of our customers or putting our customers into the personal space of other customers. And, you know, we talked about Brian Halligan a moment ago, but HubSpot, for example, has done a brilliant job with their inbound event. And you and I have spoken there multiple times. Um, they get 25,000 people there. And they're not just their customers, they're their fans, because it's a tribe of like-minded people who are able to communicate. So all of us, no matter what kind of business we're in, have an opportunity to bring people closer together. And there's actually another form of neuroscience called mirror neurons, which are when um, our brain fires uh, when we see someone do something as if we're doing it ourselves. That's why we get um, uh, we get sad at sad movies. It's our brain fires as if that action is happening to us. And we can use that in business by making use of photographs and video. You can put yourself in virtual proximity of somebody simply by using video on your website or using Zoom to do um, calls instead of just telephone, um, putting um, images on your social networks or your websites of you looking into a camera cropped as if you're in someone's personal space. And all of these are techniques to create closeness with people. And I find that this one, because it's rooted in neuroscience, is, is, is fascinating. Um, and that's sort of a deep dive into one of those concepts of fanocracy. Well, let, me, let me ask you to go deep into another one. Um, sometimes uh, a brand's uh, find that they benefit from borrowing getting closer. Um, in other words, influencers. Um, yes. <laughs> so that's become, uh, you, you hear people talking about influencer marketing. I mean, that's become a channel yes. almost. Yeah, it has. Uh, so, so how does that um, aspect apply to, because clearly, you know, getting influencers, people who have a network already that, you know, are a tribe already, getting them to love, you know, what you do maybe is a way to sort of wholesale <laughs> get to a fanocracy. Right. Well, what we learned by digging in there is that um, the by far the best influencers um, or advocates, um, whatever you want to call them, are people who genuinely love what you do and want to share that with the world. And so the more you can cultivate that, the better. And um, and we also learned that um, you can't coerce and force that because it just doesn't work. And so there's so many organizations that pay for it, you know, like the, the classic is paying one of their Kardashians to talk about you. Um, and um, and so it turns out that if you cultivate influencers by making them your fans, um, and then they're eager to talk about what you do, that that's the ultimate. And that, again, 
it comes back to that humanity, that true connection that people have. And, you know, just willy nilly. And I know you get them, too. I get them um, from people who say, hey, David, I love your stuff. Please write about me on your blog. That doesn't work because that's not someone who has a true connection with you and your brand. So. We, we talked a little bit about this when we were talking about the Grateful Dead. And uh, obviously, a lot of people know the Grateful Dead, you know, encouraged people to record their live sessions and yeah, distribute them freely. And um, and so that's a, a, an element of, of this idea of kind of letting go of control, like you talked about with newsjacking. So, yeah, that, that scares people, doesn't it? It does. Um, letting letting go letting go of control is a really important concept to develop fans. And um, what we what we learned and we, again, we talked with hundreds of people about their fan of and why, and we also talked to hundreds of companies that have developed fandom. And what we learned um, to boil this one down into sort of a sentence is that once you put your product out there into the marketplace, it's no longer yours. It belongs to your fans, it belongs to your customers. And um, a couple examples um, uh, that I love, one of them is um, Adobe. So Adobe has Photoshop software and they actually do not practice this idea of letting fans take control. My daughter is a huge fan of Adobe Photoshop. Um, she does fan, she does art using Photoshop and she's um, part of a bunch of different groups, Facebook groups and, and whatnot of people who love to do art in Photoshop. And, um, and so she laughs, they, they, all the people in the group, groups laugh because Adobe tries to control the way that their fans talk about the products. And they actually say, you cannot say that you Photoshopped something. You must say that you manipulated the image using Adobe Trademark Circle R, Photoshop Adobe uh, Trademark Circle R software. Um, and, and you, you can never use Photoshop as a verb. You can't say you Photoshopped something you must. Um, and so Adobe is trying to control the way that people are using their products and services. And that is not letting go of their creations. It's trying to control their creations that ultimately doesn't build fans. I'll contrast that with um, uh, the vacuum cleaner company, iRobot, that makes robotic vacuum cleaners. Uh, one of the models is called the Roomba. And, and it turns out that that people like to do videos of their of their pets riding on their Roombas. <laughs> and, it, and it's become a real big thing. You know, there's millions and millions of views on YouTube of dogs and cats and other animals riding on Roombas. Now, what Roomba, what iRobot could have done is say, no, that's not a proper use of our product. But they didn't. They celebrated the fact that the fans love to do that. And that's a really big difference. So all of us need to recognize that once we put a creation out there, once we put a product or service out there, once we put an idea out there, it no longer belongs to us. It belongs to our customers. It belongs to our fans. I had a uh, um, this is probably completely off topic it probably fits more newsjacking than, <laughs> than but i just had a, i had a great experience yesterday um so i watched a clip of a saturday night live uh, recent saturday night live 
uh, episode uh, that had um, a podcasting segment on it, and they were kind of oh, make, making fun yeah. of, and it was the father and son podcast mic. And so the <laughs> the idea was that you know you can't have a conversation with your son that's deep and meaningful. Get the podcast apps, and then you can like have this conversation like podcasters. And uh, uh, and then at one point, you know, they kind of went into, and this segment is sponsored by Squarespace, and they gave some, you know, get a discount by going to blah blah blah. Uh, well, the folks at Squarespace went ding, 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 and so they actually lit. They actually lit that um, coupon code up, and you could actually get a discount if oh, you did it. Awesome I thought that, that I thought oh, that I, was so amazing. That's totally newsjacking. <laughs> yeah, totally yeah. newsjacking. I, I think you'd like Love that. that. All right, so part three of the book. Um, if I can just kind of wrap up here today, um, yeah. is uh, uh, really you kind of telling stories about or at least that's how I interpret it, how you enjoy this idea of fanocracy. So you want to send us out on kind of one of your favorite stories? So what we what we learned in talking to a whole bunch of people is that passion is infectious and that when you live a life with passion, when you celebrate the things that you love, number one, you have a more interesting life. But number two... The people around you want to be around you because um, that passion is infectious, because you radiate that passion. Um, and one of my favorite examples is Dr. John Marashi. He's a dentist. He's a dentist. And he's a dentist in Southern California. And there's so many other dentists in Southern California. But he's passionate about skateboarding. And his Instagram, he's got like 13,000 followers because among, among other things, he posts images of him skateboarding. He's the skateboarding dentist. And that's incredibly powerful because when people are shopping for a dentist, they see that social media feed of him on Instagram. And they're like, yeah, that's the guy I want working on my teeth. He's a cool dude. <laughs> and unlike every other dentist who either isn't um, showing what they're doing, or if they do, it's just, you know, the before and after teeth shots. Uh, and, and so um, we learned that companies that employ people with passion do better. Um, CEOs who hire for passion genuinely get better employees to work for them and people who have passion live a better life. So um, that passion becomes infectious and um, it, 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 it in itself, the fact that, oh my God, I love to do this thing every day. Um, and, and you can, you can get at this when you're speaking with someone um, even in a business environment, and you can ask questions like, hey, what do you love to do on the weekend? And when you get someone talking about the thing they love, about the passion that they love, that, there's, no, there's nothing better for a conversation opener. And then all of a sudden you remember, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the person who loves to mountain bike. I remember that. Uh, and that's a really, really, really great, great way to build fans is, is to understand what people love and share that with them, even if you don't share that yourself. Visiting with my friend David Meerman Scott, author of Fanocracy. It's going to be out in January of 2020, depending upon when you're listening to this. Uh, David, tell people where they can find the book and find out more about uh, you and your daughter's work. Great. Thanks, John. So the book is out um, uh, in hardcover, in ebook, and Reiko and I read the, the audio book, which is exciting if you're an audiobook person. Um, we have a, 
a site at fanoc www.fanocracy.com. A bunch of free stuff on there that you can check out. Um, on the socials, I am DM Scott, D-M-S-C-O-T-T. Uh, so hit me up, particularly on Twitter, which is my go-to social media of choice. Well, thanks, uh, David, for joining us. And hopefully uh, we'll run into you soon out there on the road. I hope so, John. We need to. We, we do con- get in contact at an event at least once a year. So I don't know what, which one it will be this year, but it's always great to see your crazy sneakers live and in person. <laughs> Because I know, John, you are a fan of crazy sneakers. I am a fan of of a particular brand of uh, Converse. I know you are. Converse uh, Chuck Taylors, you bet. Yeah, I know you are. Take care, <laughs> Take care my brother. Thanks, John.